Time to corner Gene Hackman in a courthouse bathroom. Welcome to the podcast. No, what is it called again? Welcome to Pod Cusack, the only podcast dedicated to and explicitly for an actor that I think is just okay. <laughs> Today, my guests are comedian, musician, all-around king, Pat Wise. How are you? It's okay. Also with me, returning champion, Tim Keck. Thank hey, you. Hey, Matt. Thank you for having me back. Did Con Air last week. It was a blast. I'm uh, sorry that my performance on the previous podcast didn't warrant me king status this week, but I'm going to do everything I can to achieve it now. You're champion. Um, today we are discussing... Champion's good, but the king is the goal. King. Yeah. Today we are mm-hmm. discussing 2003 legal thriller Runaway Jury, starring Gene Hackman, Dustin Hoffman, Rachel Weisz, and of course, John Cusack. Is that how you pronounce her last name? I think Rachel Weisz. My last name is Weisz, and this is a this is a thing a lot of people say... Are you Patrick Weiss? And I'm like, no. Why would you think that? But then I see how like every other name is spelled, mm. and it's like, yeah, they make it really confusing. The E's and the I's, and there's two S's, and there's a Z. Does she have a Z? Here's how I she spell has a Z. it: H O T. Hot, hot, hot. She is a babe and a half. She's not since the mummy have I been so aroused by a Rachel. <laughs> Turns out it's the same person. I can't believe it. This movie rocks. This movie is very good, and uh, there's a lot of a lot of hot people. You got Gene Hackman, craggly, oh, craggly faced, gorgeous Gene Hackman. Um, before we get into the movie, though, it is a John Cusack themed podcast. What is your relationship to JC? I haven't seen many of his movies. This is the only one I think maybe, but I've really <laughs> I don't care that much about him. <laughs> But I do like this movie, so that's all I could say. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for this man. You know, I just like I don't. <laughs> I, no, that's good. I I say I feel the same way about him as I do about the guy from uh, Ozark. What's his name? I was Jason Bateman. Like, I don't care about him. Yeah, I just don't care about him. It's these like these they they feel like in the same vein to me. Right. Just like kind of a straightish man. Straightish. It was just. Yeah, like a straight man, not like not like gay or straight, but like a straight yeah. man who is surrounded you by could craziness. Turn him. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he could, you know, have a chance, Pat. All right, well, let's get into the the movie in question, Runaway Jury. It uh, made forty nine million dollars at the U.S. box office, but on a budget of sixty. So it's a little bit. It's not quite a box office bomb, but it. Uh, I was say this movie probably did cost a bunch to make. Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of actors, big names, good cast. It's a seventy-three percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so it did get like good reviews when it came out. Um, just one of the stats I like to talk about on this show is the Cusack number, which is how many Cusacks are in a movie because he likes to work with his siblings a lot, and his dad's also an actor. Um, Joan shows up in a, a big oh. chunk of his movies. The Cusack number of runaway jury unfortunately is only one there's only one cusack in this none of his siblings showed up but jeremy piven who's sort of an honorary cusack yeah pops up in this movie him and john cusack have started in 10 films together so i do want to mention that but the cusack number is one this is the last 
of the John Grisham legal thrillers. That was a huge thing in the 90s, right? Everyone loved these sort of courtroom drama, legal thrillers. They did The Firm, Pelican Brief, The Client, A Time to Kill, The Chamber, The Rainmaker, The Gingerbread Men, uh, and then this one. And this is the final Grisham. I haven't seen any of those. <laughs> you never saw The Firm? No. The Firm is good. If you liked this the movie, you'll like The too. Firm. Because it's just like very similar. Good. It also has Gene Hackman. I will say that like I love a courtroom drama movie. But like I think now that there's been just so many real ones that I've been watching like the real like real murderers going to trial on mm, XYZ. Right. Um but yeah, the nineties I I should yeah, I should definitely check out these movies. It's right up my alley. That's that's right. The itch is being scratched by other forms of media be it serial podcasts right. or like long documentaries on netflix like we are still getting our courtroom fix but it's just coming in the form of an eight-part oj uh simpson series uh right. as opposed to like a courtroom drama movie which i i loved by the way i thought this was great i just watched this ep this movie for the pod conair previously i grew up with conair seen it a million times it was like in my blood like a part of me and this movie, I got to tell you, first time seeing it, fucking loved it. I want to watch it again. I thought it was great. I had a great time watching it. Before Tim and I watched it together, and before, yeah, like Tim was actively making fun of it. He was like, "All right, I'll see this dumb movie, <laughs> whatever this movie is." And like, I think, and I was like, I haven't seen it in a while, and I was like, I mean, I liked it. I think I liked it. I think it was good. I mean, I remember. I know now what the plot is, but like I remember enjoying it. And then Tim was there watching it, and I was like, you know, when you like show your friend a video that you think is funny. Oh yeah. You're nervous, you're like, oh, is he, like, are they gonna think it's funny too? And so like halfway through the movie, Tim turns he's like, this movie's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, nice. All right, cool. <laughs> yes, King. I, I loved it. It's it's exciting. It's exactly what I want from this kind of movie. It's definitely totally entertaining. You know, this is sort of a cliche, but it's the kind of movie that they don't make anymore. You know, all, all, all of the sort of mid-budget dramas. I watched it th this morning with my mom and she loved it. And it was the exact kind of movie you want to watch with like your mom. Yeah, 100%. Uh, it's not too, you know, there's not really violence or gore. All the thrills are, are pretty tamped down a little bit, but it's still very enjoyable, very exciting. And it's it's the kind of legal thriller that would come out in the 90s where it's not quite an action movie, but there's like courtroom drama and then there are, is at least one chase scene. Like the firm also has like a really long extended, you know, on foot chase scene in the middle. So it it uh, it scratches, it's right on the border of, of what is it an action movie or not. Um, I will say that the one thing I did forget about this movie and we can, we, as we start to talk about the plot yeah the opening scene i had completely forgotten about there's that shoot that really intense scene where they're shooting up where he dies at the beginning and, yeah uh, the i don't know if you could make that today i think that's like too intense oh for in sure because like we've all you can just imply that that happened you don't really have to like show it specifically the and and at the time dylan mcdermott who's the guy in the opening scene. The opening scene is Dylan McDermott getting just rocked in the face, just shot, and killed. And I was excited to see him. But he what was a bigger star at the, the time. Yeah, he's he got, he gets shot. It was done as a in a very '90s way, where like whatever he opens the door, and you see flash. the guy raising the gun, and you see him like whoa, and then it just kind of like goes white. Right. You know, it just fades to like white. Either today, if that happens, we either just allude to it 
or you see a bullet entering his brain and coming out the other <laughs> and side. And like an x-ray and like where it's going in. And like yeah, like David Fincher out. style. It's slowed down and just, yeah. <laughs> just a whole just blood spray on the wall. It sprays all over it's the either... secretary. And like... But it's interesting that it's Dylan McDermott because he was a much bigger star at the time. So I think it was it was probably relatively surprising that he just gets shot immediately. I would guess. Yeah, it's like the scream effect, right? Yeah. Like who was in... Yeah, the Drew Barrymore thing where it's like, okay, oh my God, here's a star. Here's somebody we recognize. He's not on the poster, so that's probably a giveaway. But I'm sure when you see him, you still expect him to to be a bigger role in the movie than just a sacrificial lamb for the plot. We jump forward in time. There's like, you know, two years later comes up on the screen. And then we start to one by one meet are the main players you know we it, it all takes place in new orleans which i love any movie that takes place in new orleans if your movie takes place in new orleans or seattle i'm i'm pretty much in um and we meet john cusack in this beautiful french quarter apartment but someone's watching him we net we learn pretty quickly someone's across the street taking photos he's under he's under surveillance um, I, I was whenever they do this sort of things like those guys were not even trying to hide. You could see, <laughs> I could see them. You could see these. It's a huge camera taking a picture of them. It's like and a like, four foot lens. Knowing this as like knowing that John Cusack is also knows what he's doing. Why would he not be more careful and be looking around? Well, I think he does. We eventually learn he does know that they're all there because he's playing them. Right. Right. Coming in fresh. I had no idea what was happening in the beginning. Oh, wait, just go back to like the shooting up top. Right. I thought this was going to have something to do with like the stock market or something because you see Dylan McDermott like peeking through the blinds and there's a TV going and there's like they're covering they're covering something. There's like some coverage going on. I'm like, oh, man, there's going to be a shooting here and the stock prices are going to plummet like they're just dropping so many things. That I had no, I had no idea what was happening. And you're saying like John Cusack, like, like, you know, he's going, he knows where these people are. I had no idea he knew where these people are. Like Mm -hmm. coming in, it's like, he's just some, some dude wandering around. Like you don't realize he has any control in this situation at all until 30 minutes into the movie, 40 minutes into the movie. But you also never really find out his motivations until the last like five, 10 minutes. That's when, you know, sort of. Right. It, everything's revealed in a sort of like murder on the Orient Express way where it's just like, oh, he, there's who these people are and here's their motivations for doing what they do. Um, but I do like any, I, I love a movie that where the inciting incident of, for our main hero is that he gets a jury duty summons that I do think <laughs> jury duty is like a pretty ingenious way of getting disparate characters together in a movie you know you love like a a wedding or a funeral like getting all these characters together jury duty you never you don't see that often in movies but it's very ingenious i think it's the best it like 12 figure men is one of my favorite movies ever like i love it uh, is always with random people yeah they get them together you get you can get you can like choreograph it so it's all the different political ideological leanings of everyone in the country put them in a room together what happens what are they gonna do uh, entertainment and, that's what happens yeah exactly and they're gonna argue i th- that's the thing that does i sort of like when i watched this movie again i was like oh i i feel like i, I thought i remembered a lot more jury deliberation but they like yeah, it's, <laughs> it's half a scene they talk for like four seconds like there'll be one scene and like it'll it 
in, in multiple times in this movie, someone has an argument that's reasonable, but then they end up yelling too much, uh-huh. and then everyone's like, mm, "I don't know, I don't." This guy's <laughs> argument For, is no good to me anymore. <laughs> the whole movie is like the discussion about and around manipulating the jury, and they show the manipulation of the jury, but that's still like the smallest percentage of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> for for an entire movie revolving around the techniques and ways that a jury is manipulated, uh, it felt like they brushed over it. You know, at the watching the movie, I did not feel that way, but in hindsight, it's like they barely spent any time with the jury. It feels like. Yeah, it's hard to even like talk about the plot of this movie because I just watched it today, and now I'm trying to remember like what happened and how it went. And it's there was it's a lot of scenes of Gene Hackman and Rachel Weisz talking on the phone to each other and like making yeah. vague threats oh another part of my i mean we'll get to it later but when when they almost kill her oh like yeah they, he sends a guy to kill her she beats up and kills i guess maybe kills him or fights him off or stabs probably, him in the I leg think he assume, no he's in the hospital yeah. and he's not gonna walk they, they imply she took like, him to the, the hospital price just went up and she raises it by 50 percent <laughs> 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 just like, girl, you went from ten million to fifteen million. They, they just tried to kill you. Maybe twenty, yeah. twenty-five. I don't know. Like, I think we could be bold here. Okay, so for the people, it, like Tim said, it's all about this, this manipulation of the jury. Uh, for those who haven't seen it, it's basically a lot of it is Rachel Vice, and we don't quite know her motivations trying to play the defense and the prosecution against each other because she claims she can deliver what the verdict on this case. And the case is the widow of Dylan McDermott is suing the gun company for distributing, allowing their guns to be distributed illegally, I think is their main, the main crux of the case. That's the other thing. Real quick before I would want to interrupt too much, but this case is shaky at best. <laughs> like, if from a legal standpoint, like suing the gun company because a guy came in and shot your husband and it, like, I just, I don't, I don't think you have a case there. My really. mom was like, oh, this is like that West Wing show. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, it's just fantasy bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is it's no, like the court, Yeah. The, uh, it's like yeah, liberal exactly. Hollywood. Like the gun company would crush this case. Oh, they yeah. would win easily. And they'd be like, how is this my responsibility? They wouldn't need to do all? any manipulation of the no, jury. No, you would need to buy a jury. It's but they hired. <laughs> okay. I, I got to push back on you guys. I got to <laughs> push back. I think there is a case. I don't understand how it's related to the shooter. Like I don't think they say how the shooter got the gun, do they? I think Did they he get imply it, on the black it was some of the witness testimony. Yeah, someone he got sold it, it out of the trunk of the car or something. Because I was very much the whole time like, you can't sue a gun company for the like you can't sue a car dealership because you got into a car accident. That's an insane way of doing it. But then they uncovered that these gun manufacturers were intentionally like creating more guns to sell to people that they knew were doing sketchy things with those guns. And that's where I'm like, you've got a case. You've got some case in the idea that you're just like making a hundred extra guns that you know are going to the black market. That's sketchy AF. And we should be trying to stop that, you know, whether or not that actually caused this, this shooting. I don't know if that's like a direct correlation, but that's definitely a case that should be happening. I was like a little, torn at up top but then near the end of the movie it's like oh these are clearly the bad guys 
Tim, you're getting you're getting no uh, arguments about gun companies yeah. being bad. Yeah, war profiteering uh, is bad. I agree. <laughs> I just think that you got to go into a case. You got to have a case. You got to bring a case that like has legs before. That, because that's, I mean, it's a stretch. Go it's like, oh, this guy got his stretch, gun yeah. on the black market. You guys knew it was going to the black market. This is your fault. It's a little bit of a stretch, but I don't know. It uh, it made a little bit of sense. Well, it you made know more sense than they, I initially thought. You know who thought they had a case was the runaway jury, which let's get back to. <laughs> <laughs> so Gene Hackman shows up in in uh, a really cool scene. I thought um, the introduction of his character because he's like he fully Sherlock Holmes on this on this cab driver he's sitting in the back of the cab they're making idle small talk and then you see a couple like his eyes are darting around the cab he notices like a validated parking ticket from a hospital parking lot a photo of this guy with his mom and then he just does a read of this guy and completely is just like hey is your mom out of the hospital your wife doesn't like it too much and he's flabbergasted and that's how we know that like Gene Hackman is a, a student of human psychology and, and, and observation he's a master of of reading people this um, was a real turning that. point in the movie for me because yeah. like right off the bat it's like okay this is good this is good this is good and then you have gene hackman doing this like next level like detective work and i was like i'm all in on this i've got to see where this goes <laughs> I, I have to know what happens next i'm following hackman into the trenches or whatever metaphor you want to use for this plot <laughs> the best crime dramas are like the cases where you got no you got nothing but the guy's like I can figure out who this guy is just by like mm-hmm. what coffee he drinks in the morning. And you're like, Oh hell yeah. Tell me how you do it. Sherlock. Tell me how you do it. House or like whatever the, all those savant people, whoever it is, I'm all for it. It also this just was- reminded me how much I miss Gene Hackman. Like he, this, this is his second yeah. to last movie he ever made. He made this. And uh, then he made welcome to Mooseport, which we'll get to later in one of my segments. But I have seen that one. <laughs> the one where he runs for mayor against Ray Romano. Yeah, I saw Out that Out of respect movie. to Gene, I did not see that movie. And then we also meet, right after we meet Gene Hackman, we meet uh, Dustin Hoffman, who is the, the prosecuting attorney for the widow. So he's like the good attorney. Um, Hackman's not an attorney. He's just the attorneys hired him to select the jury. And he has a whole team. He's like a very expensive jury consultant, but instead of putting him up in like an office building, it's in like the back of a dilapidated bar. He like walks. Well, it's got to be secret, right? right? I don't know why it has to be secret. It's highly illegal. You can't like. I think I think what they're doing is illegal. Yeah, jury it's consulting. It's so illegal. I'm sure jury consulting is legal, but they're like not... they are expected to be tampering. Mm, okay. Because eventually they get into tampering and and. Uh, I mean intimidation. Yeah. And intimidation, and that's just that's straight up illegal. I mean, I know that's illegal. And the lawyer. But he could probably still do it from an office building. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Probably why he could to have. Be there. Yeah. There's also but the when lawyer they, when the first... then has a earpiece in the court which is crazy oh, which yeah, then that's further crazy. implies that this is like some illegal sketchy activity mm-hmm. yeah hackman is is talking to bruce davidson the 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 defending attorney for the gun company and he has a little earpiece and hackman's saying like pick this juror don't pick that juror and that was a really fun montage when they were going through all the jurors and john cusack really doesn't want to be on this jury seemingly you know he's finding all these excuses but that's why they want him they think he'll be a good juror because he doesn't want to be there um and there's a line 
where they're asking all these jurors, potential jurors questions about like, how do they feel about gun control? Do they own a gun? And they ask this one guy how he feels about gun control. And his response is same way I feel about bird control. It don't work. And that line <laughs> is the greatest line. <laughs> bird control? That's what he, he says? says. Bird control. Oh, yeah. I mean, try getting a hold of these birds. They're out of control. <laughs> I mean, these birds I do think quit. it's criminal that... You can go to a farmer's market and buy as many unlicensed birds as you want in this country. And if a crime is later committed with those birds, you are not held responsible. Bird flu? How many deaths a year from that? <laughs> also bird flu. Uh, yeah. Who's who's to blame for that? Let's talk about it. I mean, China? but here's the thing. Bird control just don't work. Also, in earlier when we meet, John Cusack is trying to get out of jury duty and he's talking to his his good friends at the mall where he works, one of whom is Orlando Jones, who never shows back up in yes. the movie. You get Orlando Jones in this movie, you gotta use Orlando Jones. He's great. And they don't address this part because we're supposed to, at the end of the movie, realize like he just moved there to New Orleans. Like he doesn't, he's not from there. He got on the voter roll so he could get into this jury. Who are these people? Did he hire these people to be his friends, to pretend to have this conversation in front of the people who are watching? Because those people never show up again. He talks to them like they are close friends and asks for legitimate advice on how to get out of something. I assume we're just supposed to think that they're, they're co-workers in the mall. You know, when you start a new job, you can, you can you start eating lunch with people. You can get to know people i think in like a couple weeks so yeah. he just worked it's he's just been job. working there and he met, he met these I guys assume okay so. i assume that they're just right, like you know cool. the mall employees sort of hang out and eat lunch together gotcha i did forget that he works at the GameStop in yeah, the mall yeah he works at the so GameStop, and uh he they the gene hackman's team is like trying to get as much information about every potential juror so they you know can select them and influence the verdict and so he sends a really hot lady into talk to john cusack <laughs> at the GameStop. everyone knows that women in their early 30s are insanely impressed by like 45 year old men working at GameStop and they have a very <laughs> flirtatious interaction um, which I just wanted to note wait was yeah, she she was important. staged she was yeah, like a hired gun yeah she was a hired gun do you th are we supposed to think that oh, he also knew that because he was also like showing her a shooting game yeah he was trying to impress her with like shooting like playing Call of Duty or something he was like playing an arcade game, which is like she's definitely not buying because she's not buying a physical like <laughs> eight thousand dollar arcade. <laughs> yeah, eight thousand dollar arcade video game. I think regardless of whether or not he knows they're watching, he's clearly coming to this community and they're showing that he's a charming guy. He has yeah. to be a charming yes. guy in order for this to work. Right. Because that's he's going to try and convince plot. all these members of the jury. Yeah. The whole plot is that he's charming and persuasive and able to convince people to like go along with him. So I thought I did think the, the friends thing was weird, but it also makes sense that he would come in there, try and meet as many people as possible, try and talk to right. as many women as possible, try and talk to these guys, mm -hmm. build these relationships. So at the very least, he can fake it. You know, like how weird would it be? If this these guys are following him around and he has no friends and no social interactions <laughs> at all, you know, yeah, which probably and makes this whole thing like that much more intense. Like he had to build this whole life to fake this persona to get on this jury.
We also learn that he has tried, they've been trying to do this in several cities. So eventually we learn that him and Rachel Weiss are sort of in cahoots and like Rachel, and he is the in the inside man on this jury and him and Rachel Weiss are trying to extort money from the Gene Hackman character and Dustin Hoffman character. Uh, but we like slowly over the course of the movie, we, you know, we learn more information about them and their backstory. And at one point we do learn that they tried to do it in Cincinnati. They tried to do it in New York and he's been trying to get on uh, trying to be a juror in one of these big gun cases for a while for what reasons we don't find out till the end um but as these scenes are going on there's a really important line my mom thought it was very important where gene hackman says trials are too important to be left up to juries which is such Bingo. a movie trailer like that's a line right for the it's on the poster the yeah it's on the poster it's, like it's all rigged folks because I, th- I feel like that's sort of a his gene hackman is this like kind of anti-hero he's very charming he comes in and he's like very charming and he's also like this is the way it is Mm -hmm. and so like and he and he has that interaction with the with the guys who own the gun companies and he's like spouting the facts at them like your guns kill these people you should all be in jail but i'm gonna keep you out of jail so you better pay me to do Mm -hmm. it so he, he does come off as this like maybe Gene Ackman knows that this is all bad what he's doing but at least he's gonna try to make some money off of it Mm -hmm. and I feel like there is an it's interesting because you don't want to paint somebody as like purely evil you want to paint the gun company as the only real villain in this film not Gene Ackman necessarily this is a moment where my mom let out an audible like oh and then I paused it. And I was like, "Mom, are you okay?" And she was just like, oh, "It's just, it's really stressing me out because you, you just know this is how they manipulate people. You know, we think we all have free will, and we like to think we're all independent, but it's all just the rich landed gentry that like get to control everything." <laughs> she used the term "landed gentry." <laughs> I think that's how they sell you on these like fantasy scenarios, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's how they hook you in. The idea that some dude is wearing a wire in court and having like this whole bat cave full of uh psychologists analyzing everything on like a million macbooks and like relaying that information back to them in real times is probably like t- it's too big to be to make any sense but then they they drive it home and make it seem realistic with these like real motivations and these real lines and they're just they're just blowing up an idea that you know people are doing you know these guys have like consultants in the room that they're they're talking to you know these guys are actually in real life trying to bend the rules as much as possible so they crank that up to 11 and it and it's somehow and it's compelling it's all compelling because you know they would do this if they could I want to touch on Dustin Hoffman's accent, uh, which is <laughs> really comes and goes. Like a New Orleans, yeah. <laughs> this is about my witness, right? This is about you messing with my client, my case, and the rules of law that govern our country. He's Dustin Hoffman, who is like one of the most New York actors you can think of, is trying to do like a thick New Orleans, like Southern drawl, and it's really. It's iffy. At- it's it's a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why anybody would ever do an accent in a movie. It's just it's yeah. Fun. We could have just understood that Dustin Hoffman is he's in New Orleans, it's fun. but like hasn't been there forever, or like he's from New York originally. I've been to New Orleans. A lot of people don't have accents. You don't. Need- you don't have to be like Creole to be in New Orleans. <laughs> There's but a lot it- of people in every city that don't have accents there. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but it does make me think that like halfway through the director told him it wasn't really working and you don't need to do it and that's why just like half the movie he's got a thick accent and then half the movie he's just Dustin Hoffman or they do different takes yeah. or like f- yeah. first take he does the accent like okay maybe just like drop the accent just for fun yeah, for let's this just one. Try let's just it. drop it and, and then he's just like yeah dude use the one use the take where he doesn't <laughs> use the accent it's much better <laughs> I would if I was in this situation I would just pick a handful of words I'm gonna go real southern on and then like mm-hmm. just just talk normally the rest and then just be like you know, you just know be like, yeah, so we're the attorney and after this we're gonna go down for some gambo and then that's just <laughs> what we're gonna have for lunch you know but <laughs> some jambalaya and then just talk normally the rest of the, the it time. seems like just dustin hoffman uh should have gone to the same dialect coach that nick cage went to for con air yes his, definitely his, to perfect his alabama accent <laughs> Two masters of the spoken uh, word. Why couldn't you put the bunny back in the box? I do want to also mention a scene right where we we discover that John Cusack and Rachel Weiss they have this interaction early, but we don't know that they know each other, and then later on it's revealed that they are like in cahoots, and they they have this they almost have a sex scene they like get in bed together and they start to like get hot and heavy but then thankfully it cuts away and you know i was watching with my mom thankfully i was watching (laughs) with my mom and i didn't completely want to see it but and it's not but it's not just because i was watching with my mom it's i don't know if i want to see john cusack in a sex scene he doesn't seem like a very sexual Actor. I didn't even think Do about John think Cusack in that scene. Not <laughs> right, for yeah, one I second. Wasn't about him he was oh, just the placebo. He's he's the stand-in for me in that scene. Yeah. Mm, so maybe it's good. <laughs> it goes fully POV at, at a certain <laughs> yeah, point. Exactly. I mean, I just... it's just like a camera just over <laughs> Rachel Weiss while she's getting railed by some fictional penis that I can replace my penis yeah. with. And that's the last forty-five minutes of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> than it's just a hardcore porno with yeah. Joe Weiss. I think it would be very bold to like set up a pretty intense legal thriller and then like have all the trappings of a regular movie and then I guess they do that with porno movies, don't they? They have plots. I think they yeah. do, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are some plots. There's some plots going on. To be fair, if there was a porno out there that the first 20 minutes was the first 20 minutes of Runaway Jury, <laughs> that would be <laughs> the most insane thing. And they just never With tie Gene up any Hackman. threads. Gene Hackman never shows up again. <laughs> Imagine a, imagine a porno starting with a shooting, like a, <laughs> a, a mass shooting, a mass shooting to just open up a, a raucous pornography. Oh wow, that is uh, that's dark. Yeah, uh, but I think it would get. It but would I get think it's a new going. kink for me. Yeah, it would totally would. Personally. I remember uh, torrenting the Paris Hilton sex tape mm, like a long sure. time ago, which I'm sure we're all familiar with. Yeah, it's and, the original. Yep, the green. Uh, I remember right. it started with, or maybe it was this is the version I got. There's no way to verify because you had to go through sketchy means to get the tape. But it started with a placard that was a tribute to 9-11. <laughs> and <laughs> it said, never forget or something like that. And then it just goes right into You're like, like, okay. <laughs> it's like, what? I pledge allegiance. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good moment. That makes no sense. Yeah, I think it's to prove that John Cusack uh, has control of the jury and can get them to do what he wants. He makes them all he makes up some fake story about his fake dead Marine friend 
and uh, and they all do they all stand up and do the pledge of allegiance at one point. This very awkward scene. Oh, because because Weiss slips an envelope mm-hmm. to the guy saying that she can buy that she owns the jury and that it's for sale. Right. And if you don't believe us, look for the jury. They're going to be very patriotic. And then he convinces them all to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. That's insane. And then everyone else slowly rises in the courtroom, like Dustin Hoffman. They're all like, I guess this is what we're doing. Everyone instinctually is like, I guess we're also, we should also get up out of respect. (laughs) Nobody kneeled, though, which is kind of disappointing to me. Yeah, that's why watching that. Jeremy Piven is canceled for that reason and that reason alone. If I was, if I had died serving. And the way people are attributing me is doing the Pledge of Allegiance in the courtroom, I would roll over in my grave. To be fair, if you were serving I mean, our country, you'd be a very different person. <laughs> that's actually very true. Well, how do you want us to attribute you when you die, Pat? Just so yeah, we Yeah, Pat. More Satanist statues outside of uh, courtrooms. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's yeah. a rabbit hole I have so many questions about. I would. I want a Viking funeral. I want to be put in like a kayak mm-hmm. with like a bunch of wood. And then I want a bunch of people with like fire arrows an archery and then you push me out into a lake and whatever like money i have that goes to the person that lights me on <laughs> fire they win my treasure which by that point i've amassed a lot of treasure mm-hmm. i'm an old mm-hmm. man i was very happy <laughs> are you gonna keep all your your money in uh instead of putting it in stocks you're gonna have it in like rubies and and gold coins it's all in gold yeah and the increments like what is in the chest is gonna change as my wealth grows but sure. it always needs to be chest size because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's important they need to open the chest and then see like it goes from gold to like bars of platinum to like just right. like a box full of diamonds you know just right so enriched uranium yeah <laughs> just it's just chemical <laughs> weapons <laughs> uh, the, here's your, oh what's the treasure uh it's, it's just a, a nuclear arsenal <laughs> <laughs> also important to note one of the jurors is uh jennifer beals star of the movie flash dance wow. who never says a word she has no dialogue in the movie at all but she's just one of the jurors jennifer beals wow. i don't know who that is you never saw flash dance oh man flash i haven't seen any movie i don't I, I haven't seen many movies guys so i'm gonna just put that out here mm-hmm. you were a <laughs> big guy for this I, movie review pod <laughs> probably haven't seen it yeah no it's good it's good for me to be here i can remove the review the movies i've seen which are a bunch of movies that probably other people have not seen i mean yeah no it's, <laughs> it was i have specific taste it was a very uh happy coincidence that you were just like oh yeah i love runaway jury <laughs> i'm like i remember that movie i like a lot it. of people requesting high fidelity a lot of people requesting say anything pat's like yeah runaway ah, jury's my, my runaway <laughs> jury <laughs> John Grisham. basically the, we've done like the setup of the movie and the rest of the movie is a lot of just back and forth cat and mouse games between rachel vice trying to extort dustin hoffman and gene hackman and them slowly learning information so let's jump to the end of the movie Basically, we find out that John Cusack and Rachel Weiss are childhood sweethearts, that her sister died in a school shooting, and that their towns tried to sue that gun company, and then they lost, and their town went bankrupt, and Gene Hackman also worked that trial. So they have like a personal vendetta to Gene Hackman, and they've spent their lives trying to get on a jury to set sort of some sort of precedent case precedent um that guns companies can be held responsible and then they also just want to 
fuck Gene Hackman. Stick it yeah. to him. Yeah. The only way a guy like John Cusack ends up with a babe and a half like Rachel Weiss is if they meet when they're both very young and they trauma bond yep. over something horrible. I mean, otherwise 100%. this movie makes no, because that was what I was thinking the whole time. Really? This guy? Is really? for you, you could the most improbable anyone. piece of this movie? That's the hardest to believe is that John Cusack could get Rachel Weiss. But basically they win and then the uh, they let the jurors vote their conscience and it's a real, it's a moment of a real liberal fantasy moment where all the jury jurors find uh, the gun company guilty. So they get the money, the gun company's guilty, Dustin Hoffman uh, doesn't want to pay the money so he gets to have his dignity and uh, and then Gene Hackman, they have, hey, they basically have proof that he paid them off so they force him to retire and never work another case again or else he'll go to jail. I think there's also another, it's a big moment when she calls Dustin Hoffman and Dustin Hoffman turns down the mm-hmm. money. Yeah. Because if he doesn't turn down the money, then it, it is all for naught. Right. Because if they find out that he paid for this jury, they lose also. So Dustin Hoffman has to turn it mm-hmm. down. He has to be like, I'll take my chances. And that's such a huge moment. Yeah. Because they're like, okay, now his hands are clean. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna still win, and it is so. It, it is, is very like, West Wing yeah. in that. Like, I remember someone saying about like they were rewatching the West Wing, and they're like, "Wow, to think that politics at any point in history worked like this." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all fantasy. The, like, all the scenes of like her, like what's what's the actress's name? Who's the press secretary? Allison Janney. Yeah, and she goes out and she says something, and then like. They're like, turns out she says something wrong. It's like so minor, <laughs> like thinking about it now. She goes out and she's like, you told me the president was th- there today when he actually was somewhere else. And now I look like I have lied to the American people. <laughs> You're like, oh, wow. that's yeah. That was really uh, throwing the White House wow. into the loop. Now it's just like. Wait till you see. <laughs> wait till you see what happens in the real world. Literal Nazis. Um, <laughs> all right. That's, that's pretty much the end of the movie. Let's go into some uh, some segments. First segment, checked in Cusack, checked out Cusack, Nick Cage Cusack, the three Cusacks. So Pat, is he checked in, is he checked out, or is he just like going way, way, way over the top Nick Cage style? I don't think you have to try very hard in this movie. I don't know really uh, how much you have to do acting wise. <laughs> um, he just had, like, I feel like this is the best if I were like, if someone were like, "Hey, we want you to play the, this movie," like you're gonna be a uh, uh, really charming main character who ends up like doing all the great things, and honestly, the movie isn't really. You're like, you're in it, but like, you're, you don't have a huge, you don't do that much, but you're just the hero at the end. I'd be like, yeah, that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, really, that's all I have to do? I have to pretend to be a guy who works at GameStop? Like, how hard can that be? <laughs> so you think he's checked out? I don't think he needs like I don't, you I, don't think I, it, I don't see why he would need to check right. in. Right. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Tim, this is Gene Hackman's movie I, and Rachel Weisz's yeah. movie. I don't think it's his movie. Man, I think Weiss. like Conair, everybody's checked in for this movie. I feel like everybody's showing up. Uh I think I think Cusack's checked in. I think what we're finding and the difficult part of this question is that Cusack is just such a middle of the road guy that uh he he's not even when he's checked in, he's not going to do like a Gene Hackman performance. He's not going to be as compelling as Dustin Hoffman. He's just playing in every man. But I mm-hmm. think this movie and to compare to Con Air, he is way more charming in this movie. 
There's moments where he, he is charming. He does like manipulation. He he's, he interacts with different people differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's a little bit more of an acting challenge, uh, but it's still it, it's we keep seeing movies where he's just completely outclassed character wise <laughs> uh, by all these other guys. All these like yeah. more like manly uh, actors or just more talented actors. Um, but yeah, I think I think he's checked in. I think he's trying. Too. In a nineteen in a twenty seventeen article in the Guardian, uh, an interview with Ryan Gilby, Cusack says, "I've made ten good films. I'm sure you know which ones they are. The ones that suck, I tend to blank out. It's like I never even made them." So, you guys think that this is one of those ten films that he considers one of his ten good ones? Yes, probably. Since I don't even know what any of these other movies are. <laughs> This is a weird movie in that it's like a great like t- it feels like a good TV movie mm-hmm. where it's not yes. it's it's it doesn't have anything that makes it like Oscar worthy or like award winning. I feel like it's just a fun, interesting, solid like B movie, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. the kind of movies that I honestly love and that I usually prefer where it's just fun. It's interesting. And then you leave and it's like, well, I didn't need to invest too much into that. I didn't really feel too much other than like being like excited and like into it. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know if I don't know if that's if we're setting the bar for what he thinks a good movie is. I think John Cusack's pretentious when it comes to this stuff, <laughs> considering our last conversation and that he didn't consider Con Air to be a compelling like win the top 10. I mean, Con I think Air's he's pretentious. I can see him looking at this movie uh, through his pretentious Cusack lens and saying this isn't good enough. So I don't think this is in his top. This is one of his top. I movies. tend to agree. I think it's probably not on his personal list. Yeah, but. I agree with you as well. I think this is it's it's exactly the kind of movie I miss from like the the nineties, the kind of movie that they don't make anymore. That's just like a really solid mid tier drama. It's not trying to be a prestige Oscar winner. Uh, right. It's just like a good movie you can watch with your mom, which is what I did today. It's like exactly. It's like just a John Grisham novel. Yeah. It's just like you know, it's just it's like an airport book. You're gonna read it. You're gonna. It's an airport book. Yeah, it's a book for the beach. Mm-hmm. You're like, you know, you're at the beach, you're deeply invested in some crime or like murder mystery that you're reading on the beach. You're just like, it's fun. So you don't think this is the kind of movie that if someone made a podcast about it, people would want to listen to? I'm saying uh, that if anyone was dumb enough to make a whole podcast around a mid-tier actor uh, who's not compelling on screen or off, I would say that this would be a low point for sure. I'm going to have a hard time convincing my mom to listen to this. Let's do another segment uh, to spice it up. Uh, it's called Who Was He Dating and How Did It Influence His Performance? John Cusack is a oh, lifelong bachelor, notorious bachelor, serial dater, dated a lot of famous people. This movie was shot in the fall of 2002, and he was dating Meg Ryan, a newly divorced Whoa. Meg Ryan. Oh. Mm-hmm. Nice. So I knew, I knew someone that was Meg Ryan's babysitter mm. for a while. She, maybe she knew the cues. What? How do you think that that relationship influenced this movie, his performance? What do you think he brought to the film from? I don't know Meg? anything about Meg Ryan. So, <laughs> Tim, uh, I love Meg Ryan. I think she's great. I'm sure she was um, probably a little little. She when she she just got out of a divorce. She was upset. She was looking for um, a, a rebound. And I think he gave that to her. I think he gave her a good time, but not a long time. And I think that comes across in the film. I mean, maybe he he used some of that 
she came to him to heal and he gave some nurturing energy to Meg Ryan off screen. And maybe he gave that to Rachel Weiss on screen. You know, there are moments where he's, you know, really, really trying mm-hmm. to worry about her safety and 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 really show her that he cares. And maybe, he, you know, maybe make it an influence on that. Yeah, I think he he, he brought sort of a decency from, from decency yeah. to this to this yeah. film. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think you can see that on screen. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. 100%, guys. <laughs> All right. This next segment's called Tales from the Trivia Page. I look at the uh, IMDb trivia, and I try to find the most compelling facts. I got to be honest, there were not a lot of super compelling pieces of trivia, but I did find a couple. Um, just alternate casting. Are you going to ask us a trivia question? No, no. I'm just going to let you respond to these interesting facts I found. Mm. <laughs> Uh, apparently, originally Sean Connery was supposed to be the Gene Hackman role, which I could see. I could oh, that's see good. It. Um, but I'm, I'm honestly, I'm glad that Gene Hackman was in it. All right, I'll, I will ask you a piece of trivia. It'll let you guess. Um, there was a very famous '90s actor who was up for the role that John Cusack played. Well, I know. Who do you think it was? You already know. I, I, I heard two names associated with that role. And I thought they were both fascinating. Guess what? Uh, I don't know who it is. Adam Sandler. No. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a very different movie. Rachel's like, like, we gotta, we gotta manipulate this jersey. He's doing like pickle nose and shit like that to like make them all laugh. <laughs> Honestly, would watch. Wacky slappy do, yeah. and he's in the that's, what, that's what we need is like a fake jury drama with Adam Sandler yeah. as the lead, just acting his most insane, but everyone else is taking him I very just want seriously. the Hubie Halloween character. I want Hubie to be in this movie. <laughs> I heard Will Smith, uh, which I think would be okay. good. The yeah, other name great. I heard was Edward Norton, which I, I don't oh. know how good that would be. I think that would have been good. He's a little sleazier. He's too like, sleazy. He's not as I th- charming. I think Will Smith and John Cusack both have like a wholesomeness, like a decency to them. Uh, I think Ed Norton's like he's a little. I don't quite trust him in most of his movies. Will Smith, though. Okay, this is the this is the pro Cusack argument is his mediocrity is like in this role he plays like a non-suspecting just like average dude you just don't think he's going to be a threat right mm-hmm. i think will smith in this situation first off you're, there's going to be like a racial component too which we probably don't even right. don't even want because they're analyzing sure. all these jurors they're talking about all these super specifics there i mean that's that's something that's probably just messes up everything and then uh I he's just too charismatic. Will Smith's like yeah. an A-lister. Like he can't just play some guy on a jury that like you don't know if you don't really want on there or, or whatever. He's too he's too charismatic yeah. to play this role. You're right. He uh, is. Also, has Will Smith ever played a character that was like akin to a guy working at a GameStop in a mall? Like an average Joe? Like, like his most average when you see, character. When you see like a beautiful person work a beautiful charismatic person working a job you're like this is fake right you could just get any other job because you're you're will smith who you are (laughs) like you're will smith why are you working at the GameStop? right (laughs) yeah you could at least work somewhere else in the mall what was that one he did with his son the pursuit of happiness oh is that the one where he's plays? it's like the true story yeah he plays like a homeless guy with a yeah he's homeless homeless with his son and he's working at a law firm and stuff 
That's a good movie. I don't know. Even that, it's even that, movie. it's like just him. It's him carrying the movie. He's like the focus of it. Yeah. I feel like you can't have Will Smith on screen and have him not be the focus. I think Edward yeah. Norton could sneak into the background, but he lacks the charm. Cusack's the perfect guy I think for it's this. Cusack's, yeah. yeah. I think you're, it's like both, both, yeah, too charming, too creepy, mm-hmm. right in the middle. Yeah. Not going to ruffle any feathers. Not going to, no one's going to notice. Yeah, he's a Goldilocks. He's, he's perfect. He's just right. Yeah. Um, all right. Here's another piece of trivia. Representative Steve Scalise from Louisiana is thanked in the credits. This movie has many references to mass shootings, and Representative Scalise survived a mass shooting in Alexandria, Virginia on June 14th, 2017. Pretty interesting. <laughs> Coincidence? Was, was that the <clears throat> shooting at the, the baseball softball yeah. game? Oh my God. Isn't that Wait, weird? The, with the politicians in D.C.? Yeah. yeah. Jeez. I was like, what? I was like, when would he be in a shooting? That must have been that. Yeah. Wait, so why does he have a credit? Holy crap. I he just has, he's thanked. I, I'm assuming they shot it. It's Louisiana, yeah, so they probably shot it in the real courthouse. Oh, yeah. He probably shot yeah. his district. Yeah, so they just, he probably just gave them permission to do stuff. What Here's time was this? What year was dark? this? That was so the movie came out. Oh, no, sorry, 2003. 2002. 2003. So we'd, we'd had school shootings and things at that time, right? Like this oh, was yeah. like a common Columbine was 97, thing. I Almost, think. Yeah, 99. 90, yeah. Yeah. I think it was like still kind of a hot button issue, which is probably why this movie. Yeah. We, I imagine Grisham like wrote this book after Columbine. Well, in the book, actually, they're suing a cigarette company. Uh, oh, oh really? yeah and they changed it to a gun manufacturer after the movie the insider came out because that was about something similar yeah that was about I think the- you guys ever see thank you for smoking that's a good yeah movie. i like that movie um these you'll see the movies that i like mostly like courtroom yeah that's uh, me yeah, you got this is to just say all the movies he's seen <laughs> we're about I'm halfway through Pat's <laughs> list. <three> more. <laughs> At the end, Pat should rank all the movies he's seen. Yeah, see from where one this to comes six. Uh, number one, Snow <laughs> one Dogs. Six. Yeah. <laughs> one through six. Uh, we got we got one more segment to do. It's called Things I Like, Things I Hate, Things I Think Are Weird. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, let's start with you, Tim. What's one thing you like about this movie and hate and weird? <laughs> I thought we were just gonna do a general. <laughs> We go one at a time. Things I like. Things Actually, I hate, things fuck that it. We've, we've explained enough. Let's just say we like what we like. Yeah, what do we like? I I like all the actors in it. I, we haven't talked about Dustin Hoffman at all. I like Dustin Hoffman. The yeah, accent thing's weird. Yeah. But um, I, having watched this movie for like the first time with like fresh eyes, it's like you don't know what anybody's motives are until later in the movie. And I was not convinced of his good guyness until like three quarters of the way through. I was always like, everyone has a weird motivation now. I I guess I thought everyone, I thought everyone was doing sketchy shit. I thought everyone had an agenda and everyone was trying to make money and everybody was being the system. And by the end of the movie, they really painted out like Gene Hackman and guns are like the only bad guys in this whole thing. Um, But uh, I thought Dustin Hoffman's performance was great. I think I love talking about with con air i keep bringing up con air because it's the only other cusack movie i've seen but it's like another kind of like bowl of spaghetti plot line where it's just like there's like three stories they're all interweaving everyone has wants even on the jury everyone has a clear want and it's just Mm -hmm. like basic storytelling but it's just so good it's just so simple they and they crush it i i liked all of that stuff 
I do feel like they do a pretty good job of keeping the secret under wraps until like towards the end mm-hmm. when he calls and he's like, don't wire the money. Mm-hmm. Don't wire it. And like at first, when I first watched the movie, I was like, I didn't understand. I was like, why? What? Like, obviously there are people that, but then I was like, okay. Yeah. So they're trying to take the money and ruin his life. Right. Also, there's that scene where Dustin Hoffman is yelling at, uh, they have, he, he's down with Rachel. Yeah. At Cafe Weiss. Du Monde. Is it a Cafe yeah, Dumont? Oh, oh that's yeah. so great. Go <laughs> those donuts. Yeah. Uh, and it's so funny because he he, he doesn't know she's good, mm-hmm. and so he's like so mean to her. Right. <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, little, hey, little girl." He calls her sweetheart. You hey, sweetheart. You're, hey, sweetheart. You you think you're gonna? You can't do this. And uh, and they start yelling at each other. And there's a moment where he like he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, hey. it looks like he's gonna hit <laughs> her. It looks like he's gonna hit her." <laughs> He like raises his hand, and I think, like, in that moment, I'm like, oh man, he is just he wanted to swing at her. Mm. But, That's not uh, a good guy move. Just, he, no, he's he's full of rage. He holds. He's just getting upset. Mm. Uh, but yes, it is not. It is unbecoming. I would say. What do you guys think of the big bathroom face off between Ooh. Gene and Dustin? We didn't even address that. Yeah, oh, we should have. So I don't know if you know this. This is an interesting trivia about the scene is uh, they had both already wrapped shooting and then they told the writers, because I don't know if you know this, but they go back way back to the 50s. They were part of the Pasadena Playhouse, which is this like theater school in Southern California. And they were both voted. They were the two voted least likely to succeed, <laughs> um, which wow. is like a famous like Hollywood tr- trivia thing. Uh, and then, But they've been friends for, you know, 60 years i guess at this point um and they were both in this movie and this is the first movie they were in uh but they didn't really share a scene together and they had both wrapped shooting and then they both went to the director there it's like can you just write a scene that we can be in together and then that's the bathroom showdown i thought the bathroom scene was great i'll put it in the like it category and it and it was and the the movie needed it the movie needed some confrontation like that you know you put like all these stars in this movie uh I don't know. You expect them to go head to head at some point, right? Like other than that, they had no interaction. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a great interaction of the two, like the thought, the like two areas, minds of thought about it. Like Gene Hackman's like, you're too naive. Right. You know, like this isn't how this works. Like you're going to lose. And, you know, being the, and the others, it's like, it's going to work out. We have the, we have the truth and like good on our side. Uh, and I like that. I like that on because that's I feel like a real, real world application. Just mm-hmm. like just because you have the right idea doesn't mean that you win. It's the definitive good versus evil moment. Mm-hmm. Are we doing hate? I really hated how they used New Orleans. Uh, I just wanted more of it. You know, we got one scene at Cafe Du Monde. We got one scene on the trail, the the the, the trolley. Um, and then a lot of just interiors. And I'm like, you are shooting in one of the most beautiful, amazing cities in the world. And I, I just want everything to be outside. And I just want to sort see like it. It's like a haunted. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, with the, like, this is such a morbid trial, too. You could like really play with the dark. Like, yeah. Really, like the like the the trial. You got to think this trial is being watched over by the dead right. as like a way for them to receive justice. So like you could play with that in such a huge way. They do go into a church mm-hmm. at one point. There's not a lot of voodoo like, stuff though. It's not like a church. They go to the Crayle like yeah. shop. 
But you you could have really made it like Southern Gothic and sort of like right. mystical, spooky feeling. Yeah. Um, there could have which, been a, a supernatural element in there. Yeah. Yeah. Why were there more ghosts? Yeah. <laughs> Even if there aren't Angels ghosts, the, the idea that this is all taking place in New Orleans is like is like powerful too, you know, because mm-hmm. it just seems like a voodoo-y spiritual place in like a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, and they could have played into that or at least alluded to it way more. I think you're right. They yeah. didn't, it seems like a, it's, it's a little bit of a waste in New Orleans. I, yeah. yeah, it's like this could have t- this could have been Ohio, and like, yeah. like the plot wouldn't have changed. Could have been anywhere, Iota, anywhere below the Mason Dixon, and no one would have had to change their accents or anything. <laughs> yeah, Dustin Hoffman could have been doing his really weird <laughs> half Southern accent in Maryland. What's one thing you hate? I didn't like. Uh, maybe hates too strong. Well, I hate it. I hated the scene with Rachel Weiss getting attacked. I didn't want to see anything bad happen to her. Mm-hmm. I fucking love her, and we should protect yeah. her at all costs. Yeah, that stood great. out as a low point to me. Yeah. Anything you uh, don't like, Pat? I don't like the case. I think it's a bad case. <laughs> don't bring it to court. Yeah. Be, this whole thing was predicated on a weak case, and I think that's just a shame. You know, because not like you know, rest in peace, RGB, uh, RBG. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and like the cases that you hear about, like the cases she argued in the Supreme Court, and how like you can get a ruling passed with like some like. There's there's just like so much real fascinating stuff there, and I feel like you could actually write a story where you actually had a case against a gun company instead of just like making it feel like having this whole like pompous circumstance about this dad like knowing his son's birthday mm-hmm. song. Maybe like I don't know. You could start it off with a guy buying a gun at a gun show, and then follow just the guy who does mm-hmm. it. And then we don't need to hear about the guy he shot. Anybody who gets shot by a, a, a shooter is an angel. Like you don't need to. We don't need to be proven that this guy was a good dad. Right. Like who gives a shit? He's right. a person who died. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Dustin. You know. Dustin Hoffman's. He's a person. His testimony ended with a home video of them singing "Happy Birthday." How is that even allowed? Right. There's no way they're even allowed to play yeah. that in court. It's completely irrelevant. It's just an emotional. His whole argument is emotional. His whole argument You're is right. this guy died, so now we have to pass some laws, it's, which is a bad argument. It's a bad argument in court. It's, so, a, weak, it's, just it's like, a weak legal argument for sure. So we've convinced you, Tim. You're now on the side of this is a bad case. I think I think there is merit if this guy I don't I don't know if the lines we I don't think we saw the lines connected. I think there's a real case there, but Hoffman's whole case and whole argument is morality. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's weak shit and you can't you can't have it. Well, that's Hollywood, baby. It is. Yeah. Hollywood is weak weak morality yeah. shit. Yeah, weak that's morality right. shit. It's just like, oh, I watched a movie that made me feel good, but it doesn't show me how to stop mm-hmm. any of this in real life at all. But also like we said Sometimes that's just what you need. Sometimes you need a movie uh, you can watch on a Sunday afternoon with your mom and then you can walk away from feeling okay. Would you recommend it to people? Let's end yes. here. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 100%. This is, a, this is a great movie. It's a good one to watch. Uh, it's family friendly, apparently. And yeah. uh, it's good. It's just a good movie. It's fun. It's got twists and turns. got a good twist. It's like, it's, it's a blast. It's a romp. I agree. I would highly recommend it. Guys, thank you so much. You should have watched it before listening to this, for (laughs) sure. (laughs) Uh, Thank you guys so much for being on the pod. Pat, where can uh, people find you on the internet? Oh, at PatWise Live, all platforms, baby. Hell yeah. Tim, where can people find you? Uh, At TimCac Forever on all platforms. Uh, Still aspiring to king status. And uh, they can check out my podcast, Come At Me Show. 
where I rant about stuff and talk to guests and uh, me and Pat talk about the election stuff, which isn't fun. Maybe that's not the best way to sell this podcast. Normally it's me ranting about dumb topics. And, you know, I would I would recommend I, I would like people to listen if you can, please. I would also Please recommend help. it. It's a great pod. <laughs> I would Thank also you. recommend it. Smash the subscribe. Smash uh, the subscribe. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, John, uh, We, you know, I do this for you specifically. Uh, so come on the show. Bye. Just, 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 just,